Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Success in farming is all about precision and efficiency. Ensuring every seed, every drop of water, every nutrient and treatment counts. TerraPlex Ag is helping farmers all over Iowa and the Midwest do just that. With precision ag-grown technology and support from TerraPlex, you'll boost your productivity and make timely and informed decisions, all while reducing your costs and increasing your profit. It's time to revolutionize your farming. Harvest the benefits with TerraPlex Ag. Visit TerraPlexAg.com. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seat Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Big Ten fans, and Iowans everywhere. Welcome into the Channel Seed Studios for episode 19 of Legends and Listeners. I guess episode 20 is going to come from Orlando uh, here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. The voice you're hearing now is that of Chad Leistico, a longtime sports columnist for the Des Moines Register. And the voice you're about to hear on this Christmas week is that of Scott Docterman of The Athletic. Uh, we both report about, write about, talk about the Hawkeyes for a living. And Scott, even though we had National Signing Day just 24 hours ago and the Citrus Bowl just 11 days away, I don't think there's much doubt where we need to center our discussion today. And that is on the search for Kirk Ferentz's next offensive coordinator because this will shape everything we write about for the next eight months. Yeah, good morning, Chad. And uh, I think it, it's amazing, isn't it, that this team is going for its 11th win, which uh, has only happened, what, uh, three other times in school history. And uh, they just wrapped up a pretty good class. And there are still some prospects waiting out there in the portal, both internally and externally. And yet it, it kind of centers on to what's next in this um, offensive coordinator situation. And, and I would say that uh, it was – Clearly cloudy on Monday, and it got stormy yesterday um, regarding Kirk Ferentz. And I think some of his ambiguous comments on Monday kind of came back, and he tried to clarify them, but he was more or less angry and lashing out. And I think this was a situation where you need to really look more internally with some of the comments that he made. And I think uh, we can kind of go over them, but – You know, certainly, uh, you know, we're still we're 11 days away from the game and probably what another 13 or 14 away from finding out who's going to be leading the offense for the next year or two. Yeah, well, uh, definitely we'll dive into that momentarily, but four days until Christmas, even though 11 to the new year. Uh, still time to visit our title sponsor for Legends and Listeners. Thanks, as always, to Heartland Flags and Gifts. Gifts are in the title. 
So if you need a last minute idea, uh, Heartland Flags and Gifts offer free shipping anywhere in the U.S. and always has fresh products, nearly every sport, every team, every flag. Visit our good friends online at heartlandflags.com or in store. You might have to get in store soon. 3719 Southwest 9th Street in Des Moines. Scott, you mentioned Kirk Ferentz's comments on Monday. Honestly, we haven't had a lot of pre show prep time together uh i've been <laughs> typing my fingers off trying to get ready for the holidays here and i know you've had other stuff going on as well so what stood out to you I, i'm curious what stood out to you with what kirk Fer- ferentz said monday uh you phrased it as lashing out and uh, i had some thoughts on that too but i'm curious where you're coming from you know there was a couple of different angles i think on monday um that were interesting and he kind of threw out there. It was kind of an ambiguous fashion, and we really didn't get a chance to have a, you know, okay, what did you mean by that kind of response, retort? But he said he had three phone calls, and he has a fourth lined up this later this week. Um, and then yesterday, he clarified that he hadn't talked to three different people and uh, that it was just three phone calls. And I think that's something that he needed to kind of address at the outset. And whether it was our fault for not following up, but, you know, again, we didn't have a lot of opportunities to follow up. Um, But I think that by volunteering that information, he needed to be more clear. And and that is when people hear three three phone calls and another lined up, what do you think? You're, You're talking to three different people and you're adding a fourth. He's saying three conversations, three phone calls. Um, is it the same person now or are they to different people or are you just mocking it and saying, well, I've just had three phone calls like, Hey, how you doing? Oh, what do you think? Um, I, I, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish by what he said there at the outset. And I thought yesterday he was, he almost appeared angry. You know, he dressed it before everything else. And I didn't understand that approach either because all you're doing is leading to speculation And I think people took it as such. And then it was misconstrued from what he wanted to accomplish. (laughs) Lots to unpack here. And then he also he also was upset about uh, how people took his comments about another Big Ten team that came in with big offensive stats. Said he wasn't talking about a sitting coach. And then he still didn't clarify who he was talking about other than saying I was thinking about an offensive coordinator. But. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I guess uh, just to kind of clear that part up, uh, you know, I wrote in my column that day that it seemed he was alluding to Nebraska and Scott yeah. to me because he's yeah. talking about wins per game and Scott Frost's wins per game, a.k.a. winning percentage, yeah. was, was uh, 16 and 31. So 16 yeah. and 47, whatever that winning percentage is, just barely over 333 uh, at Nebraska. So that, you know. That was what I said. He, it seemed, I didn't say definitely, but it seemed like, and then, but if you're going to, I guess my point on that one, cause I want to get to the other stuff too. But my point on that one is like, uh, he was clearly talking about USC in his follow-up comments. Yeah. Like, no question. Ronnie Lott reference. But, um, you know, if you're going to make kind of a veiled slight, I mean, I, I know that's the way he's talking and I don't want him to stop, but you can't be mad if you're not going to specify yeah. Like, oh, who are you talking? Yeah. And plus, that's not like we're not. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't have said like, well, who are you talking about specifically? Unless I was in a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. You know? So anyway, I don't really feel like he should have been mad at that mm-hmm. uh, because he left that door wide open. And it really seems. I still think he was talking about Nebraska, even though. 
maybe he was he's just trying to he's trying to soften it i think yeah and by getting mad at us when yeah. he's the one that brought up the veiled well, veiled comment i mean it's clearly about nebraska i can't imagine who else it would be well, if, you know, if you're trying to bring up something from 10 years ago, that's just shame on you. I mean, that's your players were preteens. And then and then you're trying to then now we're playing the guessing game of, OK, well, which coach are you talking about at what institution? Well, Pat Fitzgerald was at Northwestern for a while. You're not going to talk that way about Wisconsin. PJ's been in place. He didn't really have, you know, and then you're going east. And it's like, well, all right, where, where are we going here? You know, you can't talk about Jeff Brom because he has a better winning percentage against you. So, um <laughs> That really only leaves one person, you know, and then if you're then if you're trying to get into this, well, is it Josh Gaddis at, at, at Michigan? Well, they beat you too. They beat you four straight times. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. So I, I don't know why he did that. I don't know why he went there, you know, and and so you know, to get it misconstrued and you need to require clarification, you probably either A need to not say it or B um, be more direct. Because if you're going to throw, apply shade, you better you better apply it in the right direction. Because otherwise, people are going to look at it in a different way. Yeah, good. Yeah, good <laughs> comment. We'll leave that part there. But let's get to the offensive coordinator uh, stuff. And I I guess I'm curious what you think here, Scott, because uh, my reporting indicates, and I wrote this that he was telling the truth the other day about three candidate three candidates and a fourth to come. I mean, alluding to that, I guess. And yeah. so I, I think he, my opinion is he was kind of almost protecting the process a little bit. Like he may have a guy in mind, but is going to talk to another guy type of thing. I don't know. I just felt like, again, if you're going to clarify yourself, just clarify. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, I've talked to two candidates or whatever. Um, but I anyway, I I just thought I just thought it was just weird. And then I'm I'm and I, I don't know. I, I just feel like he, I don't feel like my reporting's off the mark. And so mm -hmm. I don't and I don't feel like what he said the other day was off the mark. And he even like kind of dropped that in there like uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you this little tidbit. Yeah. You know, he said he kind of prefaced it by saying, I'll give you this little whatever he said. Or, yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, I'll give you this little tidbit on, you know, I'll have another conversation later this week, you know. And mm -hmm. it, again, when you're not going, when you need to clarify yourself in that regard, you can't really be too upset when people run with it in certain ways. And, and, you know, whether it's three or four candidates legitimately or through, you know, or he's trying to just to keep the speculation down. I, I almost think that it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to lash out at all. Let the speculation run wild. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, the speculation that ran wild last week with Scott Frost was laughable. There, there's no way in God's green earth that he's going to hire Scott Frost. It just, you know, for some reasons we won't mention, but let's just say stylistically, it just wouldn't fit you know, make it easy. Um, okay. That's the time to lash out. That's the time to make fun of people. Not that when you trip over your words or not, aren't clear enough. And then people take it and whether they're right or wrong <laughs> you know, to try to say it. But, but I think what's most interesting, Chad is even more than Kirk trying to clarify his, his missteps is who are the guys? Who are the people that should be in this position or considered for this position? And, you know, and he, 
answered questions regarding Joe Philbin and, and Paul Christ, who I think we've all kind of known about and discussed. And, and I thought his responses were pretty much on target for what he normally would say on, on something like that. But how did you take his responses? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I think those two guys are in the, the final group here. Um, and I would say finalists, I think they're definitely in the mix. I think they're, I, I'm hundred percent sure that, you know, any reporting last week that Joe Philbin was going to be the guy to would offer the job is incorrect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a, I feel very confident about that based on my reporting. But, um, so yeah, I think I could be Paul Christ. It could be Joe Philbin, but I also don't, uh, I'm also confident that those aren't the only two names in the mix. Um, I think he's Kirk Ferentz is very good at keeping some stuff under wraps, and uh, you know, probably there's probably um, at least one other candidate out there that we don't know about um, mm-hmm. that you know we may never know about. But uh, yeah. the, and I, I think that's probably the one phone call he was going to make this week. So um, I, I like you know we talked about Paul Chris last week. I would I would rank him personally ahead of Joe Philbin, and and that's nothing against Joe Philbin. I think he, you know, has a has had a fine established career. But I feel like uh, for all the reasons we talked about last week, and if you missed our show, go ahead and review that. Um, I feel like the Paul Chris thing makes a ton of sense, and uh, in fact, I feel like he even, you know, if you're trying to read into Kirk Ferentz's comments, I felt like his endorsement of Christ was almost stronger yet more compact as if, mm-hmm. to, as if he was not trying to say too much there. That was, yeah, my I agree with you. I, you know, and, and looking at it, reading it and then listening to it again, because you, you know, voice inflection is always important when you're answering questions like that. Um, you know, he has a history with Joe Philbin that goes back 25 plus years, you know, when he brought him in and, and obviously he's, he's had a a successful career. And I know some people have poo pooed his lack of play calling or whatever. Well, you're, you're involved in the play design and let's face it, when you're with Aaron Rodgers that long, the quarterback has the opportunity to overrule your play call anyway, you know, based on what they see. So I, I'm not as, anti Joe Philbin because he has a play, you know, called plays like that's the, the marker between being a good candidate and a bad candidate. But I do agree with you that what he said about Paul Christ was a little bit stronger and it, and, and it makes more sense. And I, I am there with you now. I, I don't think I would poo poo, you know, to use the same word twice and one show is probably a bad thing, but um, <laughs> Joe Philbin, but I do like what Paul Chris brings. I do think that, you know, he has been a dedicated play caller. That is for sure. And he's been successful at it. And the numbers you brought up last week identify his strengths in a lot of ways. And he's done it at the college, collegiate level exclusively. And he's done it at a program that is the sister program of Iowa. And, you know, Kirk even brought up that and he's mentioned it. And I think that's really respectful that Wisconsin is the the measurement Iowa has had all these years, you know, whether it's been in the West Division or even before that, that you do not that you look at that program and think it's a program you need to be. That that's your target program, and Paul has been a major, major part of that, and it's the reason why you go you went cash too. So I I don't know. Um, am I reading too much into that chat, or am I right on? I I think we're on the same page here, um, and I think that 
as we transition here into the complimentary football discussion, which uh, I think is probably the, the most important thing we need to talk about, that Kirk Ferentz sort of laid down the gauntlet in a way and saying, like, there's a way we do things here and the new offensive coordinator is going to have to do that. So any dreams about, um, you know, here, here are the keys, offensive coordinator X, go do whatever you want. Uh, it's that part's not going to change. He's going to have to, that person is going to have to operate with within certain parameters. And I'm glad Kirk Ferentz did clarify that. That was yeah. a really good. I think that was your question. That yeah. was a really good question by you. Um, and I don't disagree with it, but I, but I do disagree with the notion that they have been playing complimentary football the last three years because they haven't been because the offense is not doing its job. I mean, they may, they weren't even protecting the ball this year, Scott. So, um, so I, I don't mind. What do you think about the complimentary football part of this conversation? Because when it works, it does work, right? I mean, we're you almost. I mean, you can see it in the NFL all the time. Like teams that protect the football generally win those games. And Iowa plays an NFL style where it's close in the fourth quarter, and you got to win those games. Stylistically, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you know, and, and, and you recruit and you coach to what your advantages and disadvantages are and try to mitigate one and, and enhance the other. And, and in a place like Iowa, and we look at the recruiting class and, and talent acquisition, you can recruit four-star offensive linemen better than you can four-star wide receivers and retain them and, and use them to your advantage. That's, that makes perfect sense. Complimentary football works when you can run the ball effectively, when you can complete passes on third down and move the chains and lengthen the, you know, shorten the field, I guess, and, you know, by, by your own possessions. But when you are number two in the country in, um, in yards per play allowed at 3.99 and number one is Penn state at 3.91 and you run 210 plays more than they do, then it, then Phil Parker is a miracle worker, you know, and he doesn't deserve the broils. He deserves the Frank broils award, <laughs> you know, because there's no way you can do that year after year after year. And so to say it's complimentary, that that's a compliment to Phil. That's not a compliment to your style of play and your, your, your team. So what they have to do is make the offense complimentary of the defense, because if you can cut those plays down from, you know, what's 810 and you're looking at what, 13 games. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to do math in my head on the fly is not good, but, but if you can cut 15 plays off your defense per game, because your offense is scoring points, lengthen, you know, uh, adding to the time of possession, not turning the ball over, not making them, you know, put out the fire. Then I think you are, you, you have a chance to win games against good teams. And we knew what the, the, the score was going to be, you know, in the big 10 championship, you know, that they were more likely to get shut out <laughs> than, than score double digits. And, they got to rectify that or it's going to be more of the same for the next few years. Well, and to continue the Paul Christ conversation here and marry that with the complimentary football discussion, that's, that's somebody that you can bring in that you can trust. That's going to do that because that's how he operated at Wisconsin. He understands that. And I think Ference even had a quote uh, that I thought was really, telling he was like i'm confident we're going to have some a really good candidate mm -hmm. that is going to be a really good fit here and so, so again i feel mm -hmm. like 
those words really channeling towards Paul Christ, who uh, definitely for me is the, is the betting favorite. If you had yeah. a betting betting line right now, um, not Joe Philbin, but that's something. It doesn't mean it won't be Joe Philbin. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then the other part of the the Chris thing is, you know, he is at Texas right now. They are in the college football playoff. Uh, that timing, in a way, makes sense because Kirk wants to focus on the bowl game. A, and winning the bowl game as much as possible. So he's going to extend that same latitude to whoever his next OC is. Right. I mean, it's yeah. a much bigger game, <laughs> right. a much, much bigger game. So, uh, you know, maybe if Texas loses to Washington, maybe we'll get more quick news. I don't know. Not that, that Paul Chris has to stay there through the, the BCS t- or the BCS title game, the national championship game. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, so anyway, I just, I think a Chris, Hire would give Ference what he wants because Paul Chris knows how to run the ball. He's a, I mean, I'm going to say he's probably a far better play caller than Brian Ference. No offense to Brian. Uh, he's got more history of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we went over last week, when Paul Chris gave up play calling, that's when Wisconsin's offense went south. Now they lost Jonathan Taylor to understand all that, but uh, I just feel like it's a good, that part of it. I, I think would be seamless. I don't think you'd have to worry about the complimentary thing that Kirk talked about. Mm. Well, agreed. I mean, you know, there's, there's scoring points that, that matters too, you know, and, you know, we can be complimentary all we want, but 10 to seven is not ideal. 38 to seven is, <laughs> or six or whatever, you, you know, defense don't want to give up touchdown, but <laughs> I, I like there's a lot to like there for, for Iowa, you know, now I got into a disagreement with uh, a couple of my colleagues on a podcast earlier this week, because they want somebody more. They're looking at it from a global 20,000 point view, which Iowa needs to be more dynamic offensively. And this is just more, more of the same. And I'm like, there's really nothing wrong with the same, as long as you, you know, have a better structure within that and better execution. And, and that's, play calling that's design that's simplifying the passing game to me i think it's just so complex that it's really hard for anybody to grasp and if it's too complex and you're last in the country in offense and it's probably time to to make a change and and then and, and finally but he can operate within these confines because he did it and he did it organically he did it himself it wasn't because he was forced to do it it wasn't because he was uh, brett bielema's offensive coordinator and therefore you do it this way when he was the head coach they they coached this way and and iowa also took major steps this year towards a Paul Chris style of offense, which was um, operating the, uh, you know, a lot of counters, a lot, a lot of gap blocking, man blocking, less zone because their players fit that scheme better. So I I think all, all things told, it would be fairly seamless. And even if, he came back from the, the, the citrus bowl, you know, which is the same day as the sugar bowl, which Texas is in. And let's say Texas wins. It goes to the national title game. It's not like he has to come back and start scheming on January 3rd. You know, the games on January, 8th, the championship came, he could come on January 10th and you're not going to lose any ground against Troy or whoever you open with. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we mentioned holiday gifts earlier. So here's another one. Tis the season for libations and a chance and uh, a chance for you to do that. If you haven't already given your friends at Steeple Ridge, our friends at Steeple Ridge Bourbon a try. Steeple Ridge offers a high quality, delicious drinking.
drinking bourbon. If you don't find Steeple Ridge at your favorite retailer, ask for it by name. Steeple Ridge is distilled, aged, and bottled in Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. Um, let's get into some final thoughts on this offensive coordinator hire. Um, you know, I think uh, the other thing that Kirk Ferentz said about this was uh, kind of talked about, you know, he looks at record as offensive coordinator, uh, which we kind of got into. And, you know, I think, you look at Paul Chris record at Wisconsin, 67 and 26. Um, a lot of respect there. And I don't think, uh, you know, I think his age is almost perfect, you know, late 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, if he wanted to, you know, finish out his career here, probably could. If he wanted to launch himself into another job, hey, that's great. If he, if he can revive the Iowa offense and make it, you know, the college version of say the San Francisco 49ers. Cause that's really what we're talking about, right? A good tight end, a, a use of the fullback, a couple receivers, a great running back, good offensive line play, and not necessarily a running quarterback. I mean, that's kind of the, that's the, I mean, that's a hugely high bar I realize, but like something like that, it mm-hmm. it's obviously working in the NFL. It can definitely work in college. So, um, I don't know. I I just came away from Monday and then some of the reporting that I've done, like pretty encouraged that I was going to get a strong offensive coordinator. And I feel like I'm seeing a lot of support for Chris out there, whereas I don't know if I would have seen as much before. I don't know. But I feel like people are kind of warming to the idea. You know, for the people that I've seen, you know, and sometimes, you know, maybe this isn't a fair judge, but on, say, Twitter, where people from the places where he's been and where he is have all been very complimentary. You know, that includes Wisconsin fans uh, that normally be like, ha ha, you're a sucker, you know, like, you know, but that's nothing like that here at all. They're all, all like, wow, that would be a really good fit. And then uh, Texas, you know, wow, you know, he's been really good for, you know, the quarterback here and you know, including yours and, and stuff. And so even though he's an analyst and, you know, but, you know, that's an important job, especially when your team's in the playoffs and you're, you're trying to scheme for their case, Washington. And before that, Oklahoma state and the championship for the big 12 and, uh, so I, I think overall he's um, he's respected. He's respected in the field, and and what he did at Wisconsin, you know, I, I would agree that it was probably time for a change. That things were got were getting a little bit stale there, and and um, they wanted to go in a different, more vibrant direction. And it's different when you're talking about OC versus head coach. Head coach oversees the entire program, and that program had gotten a little bit um, sideways. You know that they had reached a, a level, and they were starting to backtrack a little bit plateau wise and and whether that was his fault or not it just was the reality of the situation and they needed to, to, to change it and whereas as you pointed out last week and and have before that his um, play calling is, has been good and within this scheme and Iowa doesn't need a lot of changing stylistically it needs changing reorganization is what I would say offensively to enhance a product that is not good. And, uh, but two other parts of the game are very good, you know, elite level. So I I don't know. I I like it. I, if that's the case, I I definitely like it. And I haven't heard anything negative other than, you know, you know, a few fans, but I think it's almost like Christmas, you know, sometimes you're disappointed even if you get what you want. (laughs) <laughs> right because that's what yeah we didn't get any big shocking yeah surprise yeah. um yeah. 
Last last thing here, Scott, on this topic is Brian Ferentz. You know, this would be his last game, maybe. I mean, uh, Kirk Ferentz left open the door that he, you know, could. Uh, you know, he wouldn't expect him to be with the team if he gets another job in the next week or so. Obviously, the team leaves Tuesday. It'd be hard to imagine him coming down with the team and then not finishing it out. But um, I don't know. I, I was curious. So there is a day next week where we're supposed to talk to the offensive and defensive coordinator. We haven't talked to Brian since August 13th, whatever day media day was. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think he's talked to anybody, has he? Mm-hmm. No. So uh, he wasn't, he was the only assistant coach that didn't talk during the season. Um, we were told we would get a chance to, we never did. Um, no, granted he was dismissed and you understand that. Yeah. So I guess my question is number one, do you think he coaches in the bowl game? Number two, do you think we'll actually hear from him? Number three, do we need to hear from him? Um, yes, no. And I wish, <laughs> Yeah, I think he coaches in the bowl game because, you know, where else, if he gets a college job, that's one thing. But I think everybody, we've kind of all kind of earmarked him for the pros. And the and the, that season doesn't end until what, January 7th, I think is the last regular season game. So that's a week after the bowl game. So why would he leave? Um, because there are still jobs to be lined up there. So um, will we hear from him? No, I don't think we will. Um because they you know, do list coordinator they, they do, do. List. They, they list but then they've changed that to like offensive coach i did notice that i wasn't going to say anything but yeah. Yeah. yeah defense you know so i think we'll hear from phil and i think we'll hear from george barnett does that make is that likely you know or maybe they'll say well instead of the offensive coordinator we'll have the special teams coordinator to talk about the new punter from australia yeah uh, <laughs> actually that would be kind of interesting yeah um, so i guess we'll live and live with it and then third do we need to i'd love to i mean i think either one of us if brian called either one of us up and said hey i want to talk mm-hmm. we'd both be going yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, good story for us. Yay. And hopefully nobody else. Right. But <laughs> we can be competitive in that environment. But yeah. no, that, that, but do we need to? I don't know. I mean, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Yeah. I would, I would like to, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I'm not going to feel like, why didn't he talk? That type yeah. of thing. And uh, I don't know. I, I just get the sense he doesn't want to talk, which yeah. is, that's his prerogative, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, I, I don't think Kirk's going to make him talk. So anyway, yeah, uh, let's kind of let's I mean, this all morphs together. Uh, signing day was yesterday, obviously a, kind of a backstory, Scott, uh, to all this, but an important story because there is, uh, you know, a quarterback coming aboard. Uh, there's another quarterback coming aboard in 2025 yet no oc um let's start there what do you make of uh the quarterback position now you get marco linez james rezar and now jimmy jimmy football right jimmy sullivan i think his name is from uh shitwood yeah um yeah yeah right Um, that'd be yeah that's funny um so obviously they are comfortable with iowa right and i do see a dual threat thing tyler barnes answer was like yeah we don't necessarily look at that we look at mental aptitude but um i don't know what do you what do you think about quarterback coming in now like two you know two brand new ones coming in in the next year 
I, I don't know what to think, honestly, you know, because it's such a, you know, we, you've got a new offensive coordinator coming in and with Cade McNamara still on the roster, you know, and recovering from his ACL, I expect Cade to be the, the starter for whoever's there. And then I guess I look at, I look at quarterback a little differently than I did a few years ago. And that is if let's say it's Paul Christ and he brings in K, you know, he's working with Cade and he decides, I don't like what I have with these guys or I need something more. You look at the portal right now, there's all kinds of players and, and quarterbacks that are in the portal. So in some ways, I, I think we'll wait and see. Now let's talk about James Rezar here. Um, he is from Jacksonville, Florida, Bishop Kenny, just like Mike Bislinski. He's um, tall. He's got a big arm, some strength and speed. That's the SEC speed is what, it, what we got now. 10, 6, 7 in the 100. Tyler said he expects him to be around 10, 5 this year. That's something we haven't experienced in this position ever. You know, I mean, Brad Banks was somewhat of a dual threat. CJ Beathard could run. And same thing, same thing with Jake Rudock, but I look at Rezar as something completely different. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I always wonder, is that where he's ending up going to play? You know, what happens if he comes here? And because he is, I think, a 54% completion percentage. You know, if that doesn't improve, I mean, granted, he'd still be better than what Iowa had last year, but you know, <laughs> but maybe he's not his, his best position. So I don't know. Um, and then as far as Jimmy Sullivan goes, you know, I, I kind of look at it. It's two years down the road. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when he gets there. I wrote about it briefly and that, and then we'll see. <laughs> Sure. Well, I think the the bigger, I guess, uh, I was curious about what Tyler or Barnes was going to say about the the dual threat quarterbacks because yeah. they have gone in that direction, but uh, kind of said that wasn't intentional. Um, I kind of wish it was intentional, yeah. honestly, but, You're right. but but it uh, I guess it wasn't. Um, so uh, let's go to probably his most eye opening comments, which was and a. I thought was just that he hasn't done anything in the transfer portal because he's re-recruiting the six guys. So as I kind of, uh, first of all, I think that's a good plan because they're way over the number yeah. right now. So you can't bring anyone in anyway, but if you bring in four or five of those six guys, um, you know, that's a, that's better than you can do in the portal. Well, if you can get, let's say, Jay Higgins and Sebastian Castro, who's better in the portal than they are at their positions? Nobody. Right. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. So if you can get Jamari Harris, who I think of the bunch, you know, like some of them I can see, you know, like, okay, Higgins and Castro, you're going to be NFL draft picks. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, what's your upside. Um, there is upside, you know, unlike uh, the question last year. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Jamari Harris, the upside is a, and really important. I mean, I don't know that he would be much of a draft pick, maybe a sixth or seventh rounder, but that's not a real guarantee. I think if you, if you're in Iowa with the best secondary coach in, in the world, which I, I think Phil Parker has that claim, you can learn one more year and go from being the guy opposite Cooper DeGene to maybe being a first team, all big 10 guy and going from being a seventh round draft pick to maybe a second round draft pick. I do think that there's that possibility. So if the NIL is right, you know, and it shouldn't be too high because he, again, he wasn't real. He didn't have a lot of act acclaim. You got to stay. I mean, this is your year to go from being, a guy to the guy. So uh, 
And and I talked to a few people with the program, Chad, and they they seem to think that they got a really good chance to get in, say, five of them. They think they have a better chance of getting more back than than one, you know, or something. So, you know, if, as long as it's the right guy, which is probably a Jay Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and that's where, you know, Tyler Barnes is a smart mm-hmm. guy. Um, I think. I think he's. I was lucky to have him. I was. Mm-hmm. I. I would say that uh, confidently. Um, I know other bigger schools, name schools, have wanted him, and he stayed. I mean, it, mm-hmm. his father-in-law is the head coach. Yeah, um, makes makes sense. But uh, I don't think he would be putting all his eggs in this basket if he did not feel confident that they could get something done uh, with a lot of these guys. Now that doesn't mean, you know. What if if Iowa could even offer a million dollars, let's say to Cooper DeGene, I still don't know if the the right thing for him to do would be to stay mm-hmm. because yeah <laughs> because a first round pick's going to get a, a you know a guaranteed contract of something in the I don't know fifteen yeah eighteen million over four years something like that his bonus and, he was like eighteenth his bonus would be eight million dollars signing bonus yeah so yeah. the you know the Cooper is in the Tyler Linderbaum, TJ Hawkinson basket of Iowa kid who loves Iowa, who may want to really stay, but eventually it feels like his, you know, the smart decision personally is probably going to win out. I know it is, it is a new world where, you you know, you could get paid to stay unlike the previous guys, but uh, of the six, Definitely the lowest percentage change, Cooper. The, I, I think the other five you're talking about, Luke Lachey, Jay Higgins, Sebastian Castro, Jamari Harris, Quinn Schulte, those guys all I think have a pretty good chance to come back. I'm not going to – I don't want to get fans' hopes up too much, but I think mm-hmm. I think it's on the table. And I think for me, uh, honestly, like I think Lachey is the top, top of my list maybe even ahead of Higgins just because you need guys on offense and Ostranga's fine. But if you mm-hmm. could have him and Ostranga next year, whew, yeah. that's a really good starting point for the new OC. Absolutely. I've always thought that if they could get, bring back one of these two tight ends and, and, and Lachey to me is the better one. Um, I think he is a healthy Luke Lachey this year is probably a second or third team all American and a Mackie finalist Luke Lachey healthy next year wins the Mackey and could be a first round draft pick. Um, I, I really think that highly of him. I think he's that good. And, and with this offense, with a new offensive coordinator, he's a piece you can play with. I mean, he had 10, 10 catches in his first two games, you know, and he was real pivotal in those games. So I, I think he would, you know, he's a home run guy. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, you give, if you're in NIL budgets, <laughs> you give him the line share. And I think Jay Higgins and Castro are right there with him um, because they are the linchpins of this defense. If Jay Higgins comes back, um, you know, and, and it was at the right decision. Well, it's not for me to make, but if he does come back, he anchors uh, an elite level defense once again. And if Sebastian Castro comes back, he is, an all American candidate next year for sure. And, and then Jamari Harris should come back. He's one that I would say should come back, even though he graduated all all the power to him. But um, you know, Nick Jackson, somebody that, you know, they want to get a waiver for, and they're going to try. And if he comes back, then that's fantastic for him. Um, 
you know, but I think him and Quinn Schulte, I put it at a slightly different level, I hate to say, but um, that I think that they're, they, they would be great. I mean, they were starters for a great team, but you put a priority on the others. Yeah. I mean, even if you take DeGene out of the mix, if you, if you bring back Higgins, Castro, Harris, Schulte, maybe even Jackson, I, probably a low chance there but maybe yeah. if you bring all that all those guys back um man you're starting to feel better about the offense already because mm-hmm. all you got to do is just be functional and i feel like a paul yeah. christ for example or whoever else it is offense can be better um yeah. you know you obviously need a quarterback too but mm-hmm. anyway uh the rest of Tyler Barnes's comments, uh, we should probably talk just a little bit about this class. I mean, they ranked yeah. the top, kind of a top 30 class. I mean, uh, I liked, uh, we, we always like to do a little section of what we're working on. And I thought you had a really smart idea. And Tyler even uh, gave you a hat tip mm-hmm. during the press conference about the core four yeah. of the four Iowa in-state kids who committed early, all with really, really good upside, I think, and probably would be bigger recruits if they were elsewhere. You know, if they were Alabama or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. But um, so, once give you the floor on uh, the story you wrote there about uh, uh, those four guys. Fantastic young men. I mean, first of all, you know they're all from within 60 miles of Iowa city. They all picked Iowa a year and a half in advance uh, of, of this day. And so, you know, kind of with recruiting and, and recruiting rankings, a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind. And so when Cody Fox and Cam Buffington do it after their freshman year of high school and really are unwavering, you know, it, even though Cody Fox still may be the best player in the state, he's going to fall because, well, somebody else in Western Iowa decided that they're wide open until after Thanksgiving of their season senior year. Um, I think people will realize very quickly who are the best players in this class. And it starts with those four, um, at least in the state of Iowa, I should say. And when you look at Cam Buffington and, and, Tyler did mention his, his 40 times, you know, and he later on said, you know, he'd be a four and a half star, you know, and, and it's true. I mean, he's, he's a sub four five guy with the explosiveness that we haven't really seen, you know, with vertical, I think in the neighborhood of 41 or something. And then you look at, at Derek Wieskopf that he was the one on the only one out of four that really looked at somebody else strongly. And that was Wisconsin, but you know, he's a high jump six, nine, um, just, uh, really an athletic specimen and USC came after him late and tried to, to come with him. And he's like, forget it. No way. Um, and then Preston Reese is a dead ringer in, in talking to him and for Josie jewel, just kind of that guy that, you know, it's like, that's funny, you know, just, intense dark hair farm kid you know where's cowboy boots to football games they're, they're they showed me this picture and they wouldn't give it to me but you know when they were at the dome and they did these team pictures and individual pictures he's there with cowboy boots and his mom was like horrified it's like why are you wearing your cowboy boots for this <laughs> but it's just kind of funny um but just his intensity and and if, he has more yards than any other player in state history um, because of offense and you know and he's going to play linebacker and he looks the part um, and then uh, you know Cody Fox 
Notre Dame came at him. Um, it came, Buffington, Oklahoma came at him. And he's just like, let me just go to my own, my little town. I just want to be here, you know, just shut up, you know. And that, that's just kind of the way <laughs> these guys are. And that's why I call them the core four that yeah. unwavering. They had offers, opportunities, opportunities get poached. And they were right on. And they are going to be the foundation of this class. And then, then there are a couple others that I really, really like their potential, but I'll stop there and, and ask you what your initial thoughts are on this. No, that's really great context. And I, I do feel like that, that, uh, when you get those guys early, they are forgotten and you sometimes, and, uh, I, I know, I think we were in the same conversation with one of the coaches that it's really high on these guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel good about that. Um, uh, I, Kind of my my uh, the guy I'm really interested in. I've heard amazing things about is Gavin Hoffman, the tight end mm-hmm. from Kansas City. I don't know if that was on your list, uh, but he's uh, enrolling early. He's one of the guys yeah. enrolling early, so he'll be here in January. I feel like that that could be. Um, I've heard the Lachey comp a little bit with him. Yeah. I'm kind of curious how he turns out. I think he could be an X receiver, honestly, if they really mm-hmm. wanted to. So. Uh, I'm really high on him. Uh, I did a story on Brevin Dahl from my town here. Um, I think he's going to be great. Uh, but I was really curious about Xavier Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Barnes talking about how thick he was. Mm-hmm. Looks like an NFL back in the yeah. lower body. And Iowa doesn't really have that right now. Yeah. I like that. I like I like hearing that because I feel like they need that. And I, I, I imagine like a, you know, a former Wisconsin head coach might like a <laughs> back like that too. Uh, yeah. You know for that uh, third and fourth quarter uh, wear down the other team, four-minute offense type deal. Who else is on your list, Scott? Yeah, if there's if there's a couple that I think that got overshadowed and, and we're going to know more about, maybe not this year, but in a couple of years, Joseph Anderson stands out most of all. Um, you know, edge rusher from St. Louis, uh, son of Benny Anderson, who played guard for the Baltimore Ravens in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, he's 6'4", 6'5", you know, two. 10 to 15 as an edge rusher. He's, you know, you you'd think body type and build probably like Chauncey Golston coming in, but, but athletically he's way, way, way beyond what Chauncey Colston is. I mean, he's an all American triple jumper. Long jump is unreal. So that kind of explosiveness and bend from the outside. And then you throw him in with, you know, and a really underrated coach and, and Kelvin Bell and then get him in the weight room with Ray Braithwaite. And in two years, you're going to go, whoa, what happened here? That's what my anticipation is for him. And, and the other one is, and this is kind of a unique one to me, is Jalen Watson, because here's a guy that was all Ohio as a receiver and really you know, his film is just jumps off the charts. I mean, I, I think he's just really amazing and yet he's going to play defensive back. And then part of it is because of positional um, that they already had their two guys, at wide receiver, but part of it is that they anticipate him being a, a guy that can step in right away and can, can, Pete and and based on Iowa's ha- uh, past at that position, I think it's right on. So I like those two. I I don't know enough about Dahl. Like I, I'm excited to get to know him. And then I think we'd be remiss if we didn't look at uh, some of the offensive linemen. All three from the Chicago land. Um, you know, you got two tackle prospects. You've got an interior prospects who's just a tough dog. You know, guy Josh Janowski. You know, <laughs> and it just sounds like a Chicagoan. You know, and so. Bodie McCaslin and, and Will Nolan, who is kind of a late bloomer, but really soared. 
you know, this class is underrated, Chad. Um, but I think this, I really like the pieces. They may not come to, you may not know much about them next year, but in two years, you're going to know a lot about them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know everybody loves their class or whatever, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think this is a this is a really good Iowa class, guys. They locked in early; nobody wavered. And then uh, the last guy I'll mention is Reese Dakin, the punter. Mm -hmm. You know, we got the Australian name, a name and a face to the yeah. to the uh, unknown Australian. Uh, Tyler saying they've had him basically locked up for four months. Uh, just committed, I guess, the other day or whatever. Whenever Lavar went yeah. over there to make to make sure, but uh, you know the the number one punter in the country allegedly mm -hmm. what is from the state of Iowa, right. and I was like, yeah, we're good right. with this. We're good with this guy. So that tells me a lot about the punter. Yes, that that's the one that I think we're going to have to watch because. Yeah. You know, Iowa will try to wrap up Iowans, and it should, especially kids who are from an hour away and grew up as Iowa fans. And so to say, no, we don't want Drew Miller, and he goes to Georgia, the defending two-time defending national champion. And then in your community there, you know, that in central Iowa, you have Will Safras who's going to Missouri. And, uh, you know, his mo mother is very instrumental in Count the Kicks and um, – you know, and to, to say, no, we're good there too. And to go to Australia, it tells me that for one, they love that style of play that it's really worked for them, but two, they have, they have a lot of confidence in him. So he's got a lot to prove. I mean, not only coming off Tory Taylor, you know, who's the arguably the greatest punter I was had, and that includes Reggie Roby, um, but also that you're willing to punt <laughs> pun intended on two <laughs> division one prospects within your borders. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you phrased it that way. Uh, last thing we wanted to get to, Scott, good conversation on the signing day class. I know we both got pieces mm -hmm. up. I wrote way too many words, so mm -hmm. go check that out at HawkCentral.com. Um, and uh, I had Watson on there, too, as uh, one yeah. of my one of my picks. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Barnes said unguardable yes. as a receiver. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, if a guy can catch passes, he's going to catch interceptions, too. For Phil yeah. Parker, um, but if so he's anyway, unguardable, I almost would rather have him at receiver. To be honest, I know. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's going to be the like, put him on offense guy. Yeah. You know, two years, two years yeah, from yeah. now, that's all. We uh, and then break his leg in practice. Uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> run a jet sweep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Golden Gavel Award, Scott, this was uh, something that you really spearheaded a couple of years ago, and uh, as the Iowa media. Uh, we gave it out this week, and you gave it out more specifically yesterday. Why don't you talk about that? I'm curious to know how the experience was in presenting that to this year's very, very deserving winner, and maybe also give the folks who don't know what this award means. Yeah, I think first, Chad, you know, you and me and Rob and Hal and, um, and Tom Caker, we, we kind of discussed doing something like this back in the COVID era, you know, with kind of all the unrest that was going on. And, and we felt like, you know, these young men with the football program and other sports too, but specific to football, deserve the opportunity. You know, we appreciated them for what they were doing and how they conducted themselves. Cause they don't, they, you know, they don't, they don't have to be, you know, professional necessarily. They're not getting paid to do this, but, but they all are, are very respectful in how they present it. So we figured that this was a good way to honor them. And uh, Duke Slater at that point, you know, we started to really think about him and, he, you know, what he represents to this program. And I'm glad now that they named the field after him. And uh, you know, because, 
You know, he was, uh, you know, at one point, the only black player in the NFL and the black and the owners tried to say, well, he's not black. He's he's Native American, which is because they have their prejudice. And so we give him the golden gavel because he became a judge in Chicago afterwards. And so first year, Kayvon Merriweather, he really wowed us with a lot of just fun stories. But was a stand up guy last year, you can't get any better than Spencer Petrus and what he faced and how he dealt with everything in the media. And, and, you know, some people have kind of said that, you know, so you're giving it to somebody who's just nice to you or something. No, it really has nothing to do with how he treats us personally, but how he treats the opportunity to, to share his stories and to become a leader. And then Jay Higgins, Chad, I think it might've been week two or three. I think you came up to me and he's like, I, it's Jay Higgins, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, there's nobody else that really fits that bill. I mean, even though guys like Joe Evans, you know, would have been a perfect opportunity for him or Nico or a few others, but Mason Richmond. But I, th I think um, Jay Higgins was just perfect for this award. I mean, stand up guy out there every time. I mean, you really had a nice tweet about it. Um, what are your thoughts on Jay Higgins receiving this award? Yeah, it was pretty unanimous among the Iowa media, right? Cause mm -hmm. you do, you do all the voting, um, take all the votes and uh, yeah, he, I mean, I, I just appreciated um, how he always he would always talk mm -hmm. and he would never uh, what, what I like about him in addition to the integrity that he brings to the interview process and just the um, it's just it, it, he he wasn't dancing around stuff if you asked him mm -hmm. something you know he would give you a good answer he wouldn't give you like everything but he would he would just answer respectfully and he would kind of understand our jobs as well. And that's kind of part of it. Like, you know, you're, he knows what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand, mm -hmm. let's say the next game better. And he'll still, yeah. he'll, he'll walk you through why this team is good at whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what we need to be watching this week. And, uh, you know, and even the other day he was, I mean, he was just great the other day. I felt like, and, you know, I asked him like, how did you stay healthy all year? And he's like, well, I wasn't really healthy, you know, yeah. like, finally kind of let his guard down. He yeah. said he got hurt, hurt in the Penn state game and he's been battling through injury ever since. And I mean, that just speaks again to his character because he, he was kind of like Jack Campbell in a way last year. Mm -hmm. uh, Cam Campbell would have been a deserving guy last year too, sure. but just sort of like a, a guy that uh, spoke well to represent the whole team. And I feel like that's part of the award as well. And he's just mm -hmm. a really great guy too. Uh, yeah. it's not who, you're right. It's not who's nice to us. It's kind of like that professional um, relationship, I guess you could say. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not like a, Yeah, right. It's not like it's there's a set criteria. Like oh, he came to nine out of eleven availability. <laughs> it's just like you kind of know it uh, when yeah. that person is in front of you. And Jay Higgins was that guy for us this year. He was a guy that was always requested because you, you knew you could you could count on him to tell you what you you know the the, the true story, and he wasn't going to belittle you. And and one of the things that you know we you know all of us ask dumb questions from time to time, but and then some of us ask way more dumb questions than they should. But but you know he doesn't belittle anybody for their questions or how vague or whatever they are. Uh, so I, I think that's admirable. He treats people right professionally again. And, you know, and I, I wouldn't have a problem, you know, somebody from a, a couple of fan bases really kind of lashed out about this, you know, and, and 
I'm like, I think everybody should do this because, you know, baseball has been doing it for generations. You know, the good guy award is what they call and call it. And all we're doing is really saying, thank you. You know, thank you for, for coming out, for talking, for telling, you know, for, for being a, a good quote, but also representing the program in the manner that it needs to be represented. And, and Kirk Ferentz has given us, um, he's, he's always been very happy to have this award because, you know, media is a part of their responsibility because they share their story and, and, uh, to have somebody like Jay or Spencer last year, or if it would have been Jack Campbell or Sam Laporta last year, or if it had been Joe Evans this year who I, you know, there's part of me that always, that always kind of feels bad because there's other people who have done such a great job, but, but Jay has been as creative a representative for that program um, that I've ever been around. Yeah. Well said. Uh, yeah. I think Evans was right. Would have been my, probably my second choice this yeah. year. Just uh, he was terrific. Um, so really appreciated him as well. Um, Scott going to Orlando. I'll be there. When do you get there? I'm 27. I'm 27th. So I'll miss the first opportunity. It looks like I'll be there probably an hour or two too late. Okay. Well, uh, we'll all be down there. We'll have another show legends and listeners, I guess from there, we'll figure out the details as we go here. Uh, but Merry Christmas to you. And I'll see you, uh, I guess in five, six days. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you, Chad. And, uh, everybody listening, thanks for, for tuning in and hope, uh, 2024 brings us, uh, peace and happiness. <laughs> and maybe an 11th win for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, all, right. Uh, all right. For Scott Docterman, this is Chad Lice to go. Thanks for tuning in to legends and listeners from the channel seed studios. Talk to you next week from Orlando, Florida on the Iowa everywhere network. Iowa everywhere.